Good morning. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you had a great New Year's this last week. Can you believe we are in 2014? It sounds like we should be living on some planet someplace wearing spacesuits and having a pill for our meals, doesn't it? How many of you remember Lost in Space, that TV show? That's kind of what I thought we'd be living like now. So those of you who haven't seen it, YouTube it. It's from a long time ago, but it's a, a great TV show. Well, this morning, we are talking about, we're contrasting the old and the new, as Dan just read for us. And we're going to be looking at what new thing God might be wanting to do in our lives and in our church in 2014. I thought it would be kind of fun. Oh, I didn't introduce myself, did I? Back up. I'm Julie Steele, and I am one of the pastors here. I didn't crash the party. All right, so I have a few things that are old and new, and we're going to look at the slides in a minute, but some things are, that are old, now I prefer old things personally, I won't, there's, don't read into that, okay, but I like things that are kind of antique and old and nice and quaint in character, but there are a few things that are old that I think we all can agree we would prefer the new. So the first thing that is kind of old that we would not want to have old is old food, right? Have you ever found one of these things in your refrigerator or your cabinet and it's like, oh, gross, forgot that was there. So old food, we'd all probably prefer the new food. Uh, The next thing would be flowers. Who wants to get flowers like that? You prefer fresh new flowers. I have kind of a funny story where many years ago, when I was turning 30, uh, my friends and I, all of the girls that year, we had this dead corsage made, and we had to pass it to the next girl who was turning 30 that year. So that thing lived in a lot of refrigerators for a while. Old flowers. The last thing, old boyfriends. There's a reason why boyfriends are old and not new. This is one of my old boyfriends. I dug out this picture from the 70s. Yes, he's quite a picture, isn't he? Well, one of the reasons why he became an old boyfriend was I used to bake cookies and brownies and things on Sundays, and I would take them over to his house Sunday night so that he could, you know, have them during the week, being the wonderful girlfriend that I was. Well, I come to find out at least a year later, he wasn't consuming these goodies that I worked hard on. He was selling them to his friends. So I guess that could be a compliment in a way, but I was not terribly happy about that. Old boyfriends need to be left in the past. Well, there are some things that we like, sometimes the old and sometimes we like the new or the remakes. So there were some movies I wanted to kind of see, get a feel for you guys on what you preferred. So I have a few movie slides. Oh, that's the toy slides. (laughs) I think we had The Grinch as an old movie, and we had um, True Grit, maybe. Grinch, okay. So, and then, oh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Who prefers the old Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? How about the new? Most people, the old, and some of you don't even want to see it. Okay, so that's the old and the new. And then I think, did I have True Grit in there? That was a movie that John Wayne first made. And I'm, 
I'm not a big John Wayne fan. That's terrible because my kids are big John Wayne fans. But I saw the new True Grit and really didn't want to see it, but my son made me see it, and I loved it much better than the old one. So movies are something sometimes we prefer the new or the old. It's just a matter of opinion. Uh, one last thing that is, um, or Bart, no, the Barbie uh, slide, sorry, toys. So we have original Barbie. I don't call her old Barbie because we're the same age. So we've got original Barbie that I played with, or we could call her classic Barbie. That's kind of nice. And then we have new Barbie. So some of you may prefer new over old. Clearly, I prefer original Barbie over the old one. We also have something that's very relevant to our time today. We have original Seahawks uniforms and the new Seahawks uniforms. So I want to raise of hands. Who prefers the original 1976 version? Yes, I figured. Okay. Few of you back there do. And then we've got the new ones. Well, we don't really care which uniforms they wear next week, right, as long as they do the job and take care of uh, the saints. All right. The last thing that I love really both of equally old and new, I don't care how old it is or how new it is, jewelry. <laughs> give me old jewelry, give me new jewelry, I love it all. Well, let's get into our scripture for today, the book of Isaiah that Dan read for us. The book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and the name Isaiah actually means in Hebrew, Yahweh is salvation, or the Lord is salvation. So just the very name of the man who wrote the book gives you an indication of what this book might be about, what the overarching theme may be in this book. Well, uh, Isaiah was a prophet who lived in 8th century B.C. He had a wife who was also referred to as a prophetess, and it says he has two sons. He is thought to have been a very well-to-do man and also very well-connected. He prophesied for at least 40 years to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, which is the southern part of Israel. We learn from Isaiah from the very beginning of this book, Isaiah 1.1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, all kings of Judah. And in chapter 6, Isaiah describes his call from God to be a prophet. He says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, which was probably about 740 B.C. I don't know if you have ever read uh, this call from God. It's a pretty famous uh, or well-known passage in the Old Testament. And I would encourage you to go to chapter 6 and read it later. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Can you imagine that vision that Isaiah had and what an amazing experience that would be? And how could you say no to that? Well, the job of a prophet 
is not what we would call a cushy or desirable job. It didn't come with a lot of perks. He didn't get a signing bonus. He didn't get the corner office. He didn't have a pension plan or an expense account or all kinds of things. This was a difficult job. You see, a prophet's sole responsibility was to speak to the people on behalf of God, which is the opposite of a priest who speaks to uh, God on behalf of the people. So Isaiah was a spokesperson for God. Uh, And I was wondering, thinking about that, have any of you had jobs that have been undesirable jobs or ones that you would just check off and say, not doing that one again? Raise your hand if you have. (laughs) What might some of those jobs be? Call them out. Have you had a difficult job? Working at a church. Dishwasher working at a church. (laughs) I didn't say that. I won't tell you who did. I heard one over here. What was another one? Picking cherries. Picking cherries. Oh, yeah, that would be a rough job. I agree. Oh, a fish cannery. Ooh, that would be terrible. Well, Isaiah's job was still worse than all of those jobs. Like I said, it was his responsibility to speak to the people on behalf of God, and usually a prophet did not have good news for the people. Because typically they were turning away from God, God was warning them to repent and turn back, or they would face destruction. Now, as a mother, I kind of can relate to this job, right? You tell your child... Not this one, but you tell your child that you can see what's coming down the road, you've been there before, you know they're headed for destruction, and because you don't know anything and you've never been a kid before, they don't listen to you. This is kind of the spot that Isaiah was in and the other prophets. Well, I did a bit of searching to find out what some of the worst jobs were considered to be and and get this. And if you've had one of these, raise your hand. They're kind of funny. A stable cleaner. Anybody ever clean stables? Oh, sorry, Holly. Oh, my gosh. And you did, too. So we have a few stable cleaners. All right. How about a roofer? I didn't really think that one sounded that bad. You've been a roofer, Marianne. Wow. With your dad. Okay. And another one back there. So we have a few roofers here. This one's great. A DMV employee, Department of Motor Vehicles. I can see totally being that uh, trainer person in the car would be a pretty scary, hard job. How about an embalmer? Anybody ever taken that one? Doesn't sound very good to me. And the last one, which really surprised me, was a Disney-paid intern. Who wouldn't want to get paid for working in the happiest place on earth? You know, I had two cousins who lived in Southern California, and back in the 60s, they worked at Disneyland. One of them was Cinderella, and one of them was Snow White. Princesses are in our blood, I guess. Anyway, so they would come home with these stories, and it seemed like this would be an awesome job, but they told about the -the behind-the-scenes stuff going on at Disneyland, and it really wasn't the happiest place on earth. So those are some jobs that you wouldn't want to have. Now, Isaiah's life ended with him being sawed in half in the hollow of a tree. Yeah, pretty thankless job, I would say, that Isaiah had. 
Well, let's look at the actual book of Isaiah now. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, and the first 39 chapters focus on warnings and judgment, and the second 27 focus on hope and promises and the future. Think about that for a minute. There are also 66 books in this Bible. The first 39 are the Old Testament. The last 27 are the New Testament. I thought that was a pretty cool fact. Isaiah is also referred to as the fifth gospel or the fifth evangelist because he, more than any other prophet in the Old Testament, spoke of the person, the work, the offices, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah looks ahead to the Messiah at least 13 times in his book, and he doesn't seem to merely elude or hint to Jesus. He speaks with real clarity and detail. Salvation is the overarching theme in the book of Isaiah, but a few other ones that are woven in there are judgment, the holiness of God, punishment, captivity, the fall of a nation, and then comfort and hope and salvation through the coming Messiah, Jesus. A few examples of the New Testament references to Isaiah. John the Baptist began his ministry by quoting the book of Isaiah about himself, the one who came to make a way for the Lord. Jesus preached his very first sermon in Nazareth from the book of Isaiah. And Philip preached Christ to the Ethiopian eunuch from Isaiah 53, known as the chapter of the suffering servant, speaking all about Jesus and his death on the cross. Isaiah was written about 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what we just celebrated a few weeks ago. Well, we're going to focus on this first verse two here that is talking about the old, how God says to not think about the old anymore and think about the new. So we're going to be talking about some old things now. And a great slide that I have of an image of something old. Uh, when I don't know, when, when you get married, they decorate your car, and this was Barry's side of the car, and they put something old, and on my side they had something new. So that's the something old thing that you can uh, think about. We're going to go into... Do not call to mind former things or ponder things of the past. This is verse 18. I love how the message says it. Listen to this. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Why would God say that when in just the previous verses in 15 to 17, he was bringing up old history? He says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. So he has just brought up the past. But then in verse 18, he says, forget the past. Well, this reference here is to the Israelites' uh, freedom in the book of Exodus from Pharaoh's army. 
You see, they had a lot of victories in the past. They had a lot of glory days to talk about. They were dwelling on those glory days. Don't we do that same thing? Do you do that? When I look back over times of my life, when it seemed like things were better, or I clearly saw God's hand being active and moving in my life, I dwell on how God answered prayers in the past, just like the Israelites did as they looked at the Red Sea and their other victories. And I think about sometimes how simple my life seemed to be. I didn't realize it at the time. When my kids were in school and I was working part-time and I had a kind of a, a rhythm to my life and things were pretty predictable for me, and that's kind of a place that I like to live, just to let you know. And I think about those as glory days. Oh, if I just go back there. And sometimes I think about what it was like 10 years ago before I got sick and was left with a chronic form of dizziness that I wake up with and go to bed with every night. And I think, oh, if I could just go back to those days. Well, in these previous verses of 15 through 17, God is reminding the people of who he is. He is the creator of Israel. He is the king. And he is reminding them of what he has done. He has made a way through the waters. He has extinguished the army like a wick. But he's not doing it so that they will dwell on those times. He is reminding them of those things so they can let go of the past and move forward into what he can do now. He doesn't want them comparing the past to the present or the future because, you see, their glory days were still ahead. This last year has been full of change for me, as I know it has been for all of you. I don't think anyone here could say 2013 was exactly the same as 2012. You agree with me? It was a different year, a different time. You may have a new job. You may have started a new school. Some of you got new teachers this year. Some of you got engaged, right? A few of you back there. Some of you got married, <laughs> Up here, some people had new babies, and some people had things that didn't seem so good. Things are different this year from last, and they will be different in 2014. 2013 started with the news that we were gaining a new member of our family. And she's here today. They were supposed to be back in Chicago by now, but their plane got canceled because of the weather. Darn. So, we got word that we were going to have Elise be a member of our family last February. And I was, of course, thrilled and excited, not just because I was getting a daughter-in-law, but because I was getting such a great daughter-in-law. I'm sucking up right now. And, um, but I have to tell you, at the same time that I was excited about that, there's also something in me looking backwards. Our family will never be the same. It will never just be the four of us 
crazy people who at least we know each other and get each other, you're going to throw somebody into the mix, and that will change the dynamics forever. And I have to say, I was a little sad about that. I was looking backwards, and if I continued to do that, I wouldn't have been able to look forwards at the good that comes from that. Shopping together and talking about makeup and all the great things that I have now with a daughter-in-law. But I could get stuck in the past and just dwell on that and not even see the good. And I think that's easy for us to do. Aside from a new person in our family, I moved into a new position here at church. Not just a new position for me, but a new position for this church. And I got to thinking, I'm kind of a guinea pig, aren't I? Right? It's all being tested out on me. So that has been a challenge. As exciting as that is, there are times when I look back and I miss feeling that confidence in what I knew and what was familiar to me. And I'm sure you've had those experiences too. Another thing that I have a little problem with is it's called technology. Technology and I are not friends. Here is my phone. It flips up. I can make a phone call. I can answer the phone. I can text, and I can take pictures. What else would you possibly need? Now, when I try to use Barry's phone, because everybody laughs at me when I have this phone, I, I see. I don't even know how to turn the thing on. It, he'll say, "Answer my phone for me." I, go, I don't know how. How do I do that? I get so frustrated. Now I realize I could do a whole lot more with this phone than I can with this phone, but I'm having a hard time letting go. And if I keep using this phone, I'm not going to move forward into really what would be better for me. So I am committing. I'm not telling you the date. I'm committing to getting rid of this flip phone sometime in 2014. How's that? And I can move into the future. <laughs> and you're all going to have to help me with that phone. But you see, we get stuck in past ways, and once we're stuck there, we can't turn to the new ways. That's the point, and that's what God is talking about here in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah's word from God was, "Forget what's happened." Because I am doing something completely new, something that's never been done before. He's referring to their salvation from their present captivity to the Babylonians, but ultimately their eternal salvation and ours through the coming Messiah Jesus. You see, God had a whole new way of salvation that wasn't going to be temporary; it was going to be eternal. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want you to listen now as I read it again from the message. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? I will even there it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. I love how he puts that. We read the word "new" a lot of times in the Bible, and so I'm going to reference a few of these things for you. Sing to him a new song, 
create new heavens and new earth. Put a new spirit within them. His mercies are new every morning. A new commandment I give you and put on the new self. I'm going to read these now with the word old and I want you to listen. Sing to him an old song. Create old heavens and old earth. Put an old spirit within them. His mercies are old every morning. An old commandment I give you. Put on the old self. Doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Now, if you get hung up on the word old because you feel like you're an older person, I want you to think of the word former because that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about previous or former ways of doing things. God is all about the new, and scripture is full of God moving his people forward into new ways and new experiences. The only time we see stability and stagnation is when people are not following God. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness because they were looking back and could not see what was ahead. Battles lost because they relied on old methods of victories and not the new things that maybe didn't make sense to them, but that's how God was instructing them. God himself is changeless, but God changes everything. He says, I will make all things new. Now, the Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day, who knew the book of Isaiah front to back and all of the other prophecies, were so stuck in the past way of salvation, which was the law, keeping the law, that they were completely blinded to Jesus, the one the Old Testament prophesied about. You see, Jesus was the new way of salvation. When God says here in Isaiah, I am doing a new thing, he's talking about Jesus, the new way of salvation. They were not aware of it, they were not alert, and they certainly weren't present in what Jesus was doing in their midst. They were so set on looking back and hanging on so tightly to their old ways that they missed the road of salvation that God was paving for them. Those rivers in the desert that Isaiah is referring to are Jesus, the living water. They not only missed their Messiah, but they actively worked against him. You cannot see a new thing if you're looking back. And you can't even see forward if your head's back here, right? You're going to run into something, you're not going to see it. You have to be looking forward. If you're driving and you're constantly looking in your rearview mirror, you see how clear you can see in that rearview mirror? But how unclear it is looking out that front window? If you take your eyes off the road like that, not only are you not going to get to your destination, you're probably going to die, and you're probably going to take a few people out with you. 
looking in that rearview mirror for a second to gain perspective, kind of like remembering who God is and what he's done, that's great. But if you take your eyes off the future for any length of time, you're not going to reach your destination. So, what are some former or old ways or things that maybe God is calling you to let go of in 2014? And what are some of those things? Maybe it's a belief about yourself that is wrong, what you can and can't do, who you are. Maybe it's a past failure that has immobilized you from moving forward and being willing to do what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's a past victory. You're relying on how well something worked before that you're not willing to try the new way that God is calling you to do. We've had a lot of changes in this church in this last year. We even have a new name. I love that we have a new name. In the Bible, God is always giving his people new names to live into who they were originally created to be. We have new people. Many of you I do not know. We have new ways of doing things. As Brent referred to this morning, we have a new way of giving our offering today. I've heard from some of you that this church does not feel like your church anymore. It never was. This has always been God's church. It may have felt like your church because it was comfortable and familiar and you knew how things worked around here and you knew every face on Sunday morning. God is in the business of making things new. And the church, ours, and the greater church is no different. I've been here for over 35 years. Yes, I was two when I started. (laughs) This is not the same church as when I came. And I'm convinced God didn't want it to be. That's not who he is. I hear from some of you, oh, I remember when we had, and you can fill in the blank, and it feels like those were the glory days. Our glory days are still ahead, personally and corporately. I'm reminded of the verses in Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. And makes flesh his strength. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert. And will not see when prosperity comes. But will live in stony wastelands in the wilderness. A land of salt without inhabitant. Do you see what's happening here? The man, the person who puts their trust in human effort and is looking back on the past, is automatically turned away from God. Those things happen simultaneously. You cannot be turned towards the Lord and looking in the past and relying on human effort. But does not see when prosperity comes. 
When the new thing is in your midst, it's not that it's not there. You don't see it. We have to be looking forward, following God, looking for where he has us going, or we are going to completely miss what he's doing in this place right now and in your life right now. Now, maybe for you, pursuing a new thing this coming year in 2014 would be looking into Christianity. Maybe that's not something you've labeled yourself as before. You're still unclear about it. You're trying to figure it out. You want to figure out what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus and follow him. If that's something that you're looking at for 2014, any of the staff members here or leadership team would welcome the opportunity to talk to you about that. Maybe for you the new thing is letting go of a former or old relationship that is holding you back from what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's breaking an old habit, or it could be starting a new one. It could be letting go of false beliefs about who God is. I'm going to admit something to you. I have been wondering the same thing, which is why I was drawn to these verses when I was given this Sunday to preach. What is the new thing God is doing in my life? So I've started a practice. When I have my time alone with God, I am asking him to show me the things I need to let go of that could be getting in the way of me seeing this new thing that he has for me this year. And let me tell you something. He has something new for everybody sitting in this place. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're young or old, God is always about doing something new in our lives. So don't check that off your list if you're a certain age, all right? So what I do is I open my, my hands and I close my eyes and I remain silent and I ask God, show me what I need to let go of that I'm clinging to, an old familiar way or thought, so that my hands can be open to what God wants to bring into my life. This is a scary thing to do. But it's something that I really believe God has called me to do personally. And I want to challenge all of you to do that this coming week. At least once, try it. And see what God brings to your mind. Because 2014 can be the best year ever no matter what's going on in your life right now. I believe that. But it can only be the best year ever if we are open to what God is calling us to do and we follow him. That's the key. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this new year, for this new day. God, we thank you that you make all things new. We thank you that we can look back and remember who you are and what you've done so that we can have confidence for what you will do in the future. God, we pray your blessing now on this place, on each person here, and as we participate in the new covenant, Holy Communion, God, may we be able to focus on you 
and be grateful for all you have done and will do. In your name we pray. Amen.